You are listening to Present Truth Ministries Radio, telling the world that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Greetings, everyone, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to PTM Radio. I'm your host, Brother Jason DeMars, and I'm back from a missions trip, and I wanted to share an update with you. And I also want to speak on this uh, broadcast about why the Trinity of three persons is unscriptural. So uh, that's a that's a heavy load, but uh, uh, we'll we'll go into it, and we'll show. Uh, through the history, uh, exactly why that is unscriptural doctrine. So starting out, wanted to talk about the missions trip. We had a wonderful, fruitful trip. I went from March 20th through April 11th, and uh, this, this trip was a little different than others. I, I was able to spend some time in uh, Romania. I visited four churches there, preached in four different churches, four different days, and then I went to Germany, and I uh, visited two different churches there. On a Sunday, I was at Brother Gerd Rodewald's church. And on Wednesday, I was at Brother Andreas Ringen's church. So uh, marvelous trip, wonderful people that we had a chance to meet and fellowship with and, and uh, speak about the missions work, and uh, as well as uh, preach to. And after that, we went to Turkey, had a, a great trip there. Visited three different cities, Kayseri, Isparta, and Denizli. We had services in each city. Uh, started out in Kayseri. It's a group of brand new believers there. And we mostly spent time on how to walk with God, um, the importance of putting the Word in our hearts and in our minds, uh, and the importance of having the confession of faith, confessing what the Word says and how that God uh, works through that. And it was, uh, it was a wonderful time to see the Lord working in people's lives. And even though brand new believers asking many questions, desirous to know uh, what obedience was in their life. And doing that, I, I actually spent a lot of, I spent time with them uh, they wanted the do's and don'ts of Christianity, and I, I took time to explain what it means to walk with the Lord, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They asked, you know, what is this certain type of music, dancing to this certain type of music? Okay, I said, well, you know, I could answer your question directly, but if you were living a sanctified life, You'd know the answer to that question already. You wouldn't even have to ask the question. So the fact that you're answer, answering shows you need to get um, filled with the Holy Spirit and under the leadership and direction of God within that. So brand new believers showing and emphasizing on the importance of a relationship with God and a, and a walk with God where God leads, God convicts. Yes, of course, we teach and preach the message, we teach and preach the, the, the difficult things, the hard things, but not a, as a list of do's and don'ts, but once you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, once you're saved, then a life is produced behind that by the grace of God. And uh, 
After that, we went to Denizli. Um, brother, uh, we had a little different trip. Brother Omid was translating for me. I usually have Brother Nehemiah. That's kind of my comfort zone. And uh, with Brother Omid, it wasn't my comfort zone, but by God's grace, the trip went very, very well, and he did a wonderful job translating. We're so blessed by it. In Denizli, I spoke about tithes and offerings, and I spoke about uh, chosen a message called Chosen by God, about the sovereignty of God and the uh, God choosing us before the foundation of the world. And so you could see there was conviction there over the tithe and offering message, and there was rejoicing over the sovereignty of God. Uh, and God was really moving in people's lives. You could see their, their local pastors doing a wonderful job of teaching and getting them established in, in the end-time message. So thankful for Brother Shaheen and his ministry there. And then we went on. Uh, while we were in Denizli, we received a call from a family that was in Kaiseri. Um, and in Kaiseri, this uh, older sister, new to the faith, but uh, she and her daughter are believers, and the, the, uh, the, the mother um, had a, some kind of attack. Uh, they had to take her to the hospital. Her blood pressure was very, very bad, and she was unresponsive. And uh, her daughter told us on the phone that she believes her mother is dying. And so she was frantic, and so I took some time to... Uh, Brother Omi just told me about that, related that to me. I said, get him, on, get him on the phone and put him on speaker. So I had Brother Omi translate for me, and I spoke to them. And we, we talked about... Uh, we I, we talked about believing, believing God, believe, putting your faith and confidence in what he said, that it's more real than the circumstances you're facing there. And just encourage her to have a, a trust in the Lord. I said, lay your hand on your mother, and we're going to pray. So I we we prayed together, uh, uh, said, trust God. She'll ra- God will raise your mother up. And uh, we got a call just a few minutes later, like 15, 20 minutes later. My mom is sitting up. She's perfectly fine. Her blood pressure is fine. There's no problem. We're going home. So praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Esparta, we had some meetings there. And uh, we had a Bible, Bible conference there in order to teach the people the truth of the message. It was an outreach there. And we had uh, we had five services, two on Saturday night and three on Sunday. I spoke about the Godhead in two parts, and um, I spoke about water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Brother Kavon spoke about the Son of Man ministry and uh, serpent seed. And it was very, very well received, and it went very, very well. Uh, during the meetings, before the Sunday morning meeting, uh, a sister came in. She's from a denominational church in the area. She came and looked at our table of booklets and tracts and, and pictures and things, and she said, hey, where is that man? Uh, look, referring to Brother Branham. And the pastor said, well, uh, he passed away many years ago. She said, no. I walked in the building, and he greeted me. I saw him. He was younger than than this picture, and he had more hair, but I saw him. 
today? I said, no, he passed away a long time ago. She said, no, I promise you that I saw him. She was so excited, and she took all the books that we had, all the tracks, and was before the service, she and her husband were going through them, looking, looking through them, and started the service, and they were listening very, very eagerly and rejoicing over the word that they were hearing. And I just got a testimony from Brother Kavon that uh, he's meeting with them and sharing the message with them, and they're, they're eager to learn and hear. And, you know, before the services, we were, we were inviting everybody, including the denominational churches, and the, the pastor of that denominational church was going around and telling everyone we're Branhamites and we're from the devil. And uh, it was amazing that God gave that experience, not to someone in our church, but to someone in that man's church. She is going and testifying to people of what's happening. And people in the, the that church are saying, you know, our pastor said that these people are from the devil, but we listened to their teaching and what they were talking about. And we were blessed. We enjoyed what they had. Nothing. It was, it was all scriptural. It was nothing was from the devil. It was amazing. And so... We praise the Lord for the good report and how that God moved in a mighty way as a result of those meetings that we had. Fourteen people desired to be baptized or rebaptized, one or the other, baptized as new believers or rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So rejoicing in the Lord for what He did there in the meetings. We're so thankful and grateful for the grace of God in His work. Uh, continue to pray for us and for the mission's work in the Middle East amongst Iranian refugees. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back, and we'll speak about why the Trinity is a false doctrine. Messagehub.info is a website that is gathering all the sermons of Brother Branham, both in English and that have been translated into languages around the world. I'm looking at the website right now, and I can see that there's sermons in Arabic, Armenian, Farsi, Spanish, Italian, Indonesian, Afrikaans, Polish, Russian, Hindi, Greek, all these languages that the message has been translated to. So you can go and you can get access to those. If you meet someone who speaks Arabic, you can go in and pull up the Arabic, and you can look and see that there are four sermons there. There's the invisible union of the bride of Christ, and Christ is the mystery of God revealed, and attract churches that conquer the laity, as well as a resume of the ages. So this is a wonderful uh, website and a wonderful resource that you can use in order to spread the message of Malachi 4. Welcome back to PTM Radio. Thank you for listening in. I want to remind you, you can find us on the web at ptmradio.com. You can also uh, get us from iTunes. If you search for PTM Radio or Present Truth Ministries, you'll find us. Or you can get us on SoundCloud as well, soundcloud.com slash ptm-radio. Email in or uh, call us with your questions or testimonies or feedback. Appreciate it. So I wanted to start this segment and speak for about 10 minutes on uh, why the Trinity is unscriptural. So this is a supposedly a hallmark of Christian orthodoxy. This is the foundation in most theologians and churches' minds 
of the Christian faith. If you don't believe in the Trinity, some people say you're not even a Christian. So let's look at it scripturally and historically. Let's talk about what it means. This is from DesiringGod.com website. The doctrine of the Trinity means that there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Stated differently, God is one in essence and three in person. These definitions express three crucial truths. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct persons. Each person is fully God. There is only one God. Did you know the term Trinity is not in the Bible? Theophilus of Antioch is the first Christian writer to use the term in 183 AD. And Tertullian is the first Latin writer to use it in around 200 AD. And when he started using it, it became uh, uh, widely used by many people. The terms three persons in one essence is not found in the Bible. The terms God the Son and God the Holy Ghost are also not in the Bible. Son of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, these are terms in the Bible. None of the early church fathers prior to the year 300 teach three co-equal, co-eternal persons. So even those who are using the term Trinity, they don't mean uh, what we just read. They don't mean that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three co-equal, co-eternal persons. And we'll get more into that, more details into that as we go along. Theologian G.H.W. Lamp argues this regarding the social trinity. It's a unity of human persons in a social trinity in which three persons in the full psychological sense of persons are bound together in mutual love implies the existence of three divine consciousnesses. In other words, three gods. What he's saying is if you have three separate persons who are in fellowship with one another uh, for all eternity, this is three gods. In other words, uh, one explanation would be if myself and my wife and my friend are all per three we're three persons and each of us can talk with each other we're fully persons psychologically physically three different persons but we're all made up of one essence we're all made up of human flesh body soul and spirit so there is three persons made up of one humanity so this is, if this is the concept of the Trinity, which it is, then this is no different than saying three gods. Three persons who are fully God is three gods. Keith Ward, theologian and philosopher, says, to admit many centers of awareness in God would split the divine unacceptably, entailing that none of them are omniscient or omnipotent. The view is indistinguishable from a more robust polytheism and must be rejected by thoroughgoing monotheists such as Christians are supposed to be. What is he saying? Omnipotent means to be all-powerful. Omniscient means to be all-knowing. 
So if one person is all-knowing, it means no one else can be all-knowing. But if there's two other people that are also all-knowing, it shows us directly that none of them are all-knowing. They're a third all-knowing. They know a third of everything. So they're sharing omniscience. So none of them are omniscient. And he says, with this idea, many centers of awareness, it would bring forth polytheism, which is three gods. The Trinity, the error, the false teaching of the Trinity is that it brings us to this point that we have three distinct gods and the Bible condemns that idea. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the most important doctrine. This is the most important teaching of the Bible. We start here. Most Christian creeds and confessions start here. There is one God eternally existing as three persons. But the Bible never says that. It never teaches that. So, this brings us forward. Let's look at this progression that took place. After the death of the apostles, a gradual shift from Hebrew biblical thought to Greek philosophical thought took place. Let's just unpack that for a minute. What does that mean? The Jews in their culture had a specific way of looking at things. They had a biblical history based on what we now call the Old Testament, their, their Bible, the Jewish Bible. So it caused them to look at things through a specific paradigm. The Greeks looked at it through a different paradigm. So when the gospel changed hands from being primarily Jewish to being primarily Gentile, we had a transition of the way that they looked at things. The Jews looked at things the way God revealed them, himself in the world. The Greeks looked at things as we we're going to try to understand things intrinsically for what they are within themselves. This is a fundamentally different way of looking at things. So in the year one, around the 150 AD, Justin Martyr, Christian writer, confesses that he believes that the word of John 1 and 1 in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He confesses and he believes that this is a second God. So the first God is the Father. The second God is the Word. Crazy talk. <laughs> Absolutely crazy talk. We don't talk about a second God. We don't believe in two gods. Around the year 200, as I mentioned before, first Latin writer to use the word Trinity uh, is Tertullian. Now, at this time, there was no doctrine of three co-equal, co-eternal persons. Tertullian writes that the Son is uh, submissive, is not co-equal with the Father. He is uh, subordinate to the Father. He believes that the Logos uh, came out from God in order to reveal God just prior to creation. First, the Logos was in God for eternity unexpressed. Then the Logos went out of God expressed to reveal who God is and to create the worlds. Around the year 230, Origen from Alexandria, North Africa, began to teach that the Son was eternal, eternal Son, that he was eternally coming forth from God. Before this time, all teachers, as I said, they confess 
that the Logos had two stages, one unexpressed in God, in the mind of God, and then expressed, coming forth from God to reveal God just prior to creation. About 100 years later at the Nicene Council, the Nicene Council officially recognizes that the Son is a second person, co-equal and co-eternal with God. This council was not called together by the Spirit of God. It was called together by the emperor. It was actually a political event. It wasn't a spiritual event. It wasn't a scriptural event. It was a political event in order to solve a problem. And the people with the most political clout, the most political connection, won the debate. We're not arguing for the Arian doctrine, but the, the strongest political movers won that debate God does not work that way. God does not deal with his people that way in any shape or form. In, when God wants to correct something, he sends a prophet. He sends an apostle. He sends a man, one man in his hands to bring correction to the people. This was merely a political event bringing forth a false doctrine. Then about 60 years later, 381, the Council of Constantinople, which was presided over by an unbaptized city official. Again, a political event. At this point in time, they officially declare that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, Some of the writers about this council confessed that there was no real agreement between the bishops about who, what, if the Holy Spirit was the third person of the Trinity, co-eternal with God. There was different viewpoints about this at this point in time. And the ones with the greatest political connection to the emperor won the debate. Again, this is not how God deals and works with his people. This is a totally false doctrine, false teaching. So thank you for listening in. May the Lord richly bless you. We'll continue on this thought. We've talked in brief about why the Trinity is a false doctrine. We want to go more into the scriptures in future times. So we'll follow up on this in our next episode. Thank you so much for listening to PTM Radio. May God richly bless you.